Go with me. Actually, do this. Do this. Take a Bible. Take a Bible. You, if you don't have yours with you, you can hold up your phone, but that might be sacrilegious. Just kidding. Um, I, know that, I know that some of you have it on your phone. That's okay. Trust me. That's all right. But, but wherever your Bible is, and we have some right there in the row, I, I just want you to hold it up real quick, okay? Everybody just hold it up. All right. Uh, this is the book of books. This is the Word of God, and it is for us. And you can put it back down, but I want you to think about this week as you read it in your personal time, but also as we turn now to the end of the book, I want you to think about the fact that God has given us this book through humans, but it is His Word, and it does not lead us astray. This is why we say that it is inerrant. It does not lead us astray on the truth about who God is uh, or what we should be doing. So turn with me to Revelation 22. This is the end. And our series, as you know, is End Game. And, uh, and this is the end game here. These are the last pages in God's Word. And this is the seventh sermon series as well. So if you've been following along with how numbers work in the book of Revelation or in apocalyptic genres and even really prophetic uh, genre, you know that numbers can symbolize something, right? Like perfect. So this ought to be the perfect sermon, okay? Just preparing you for that, all right? If it's not, then it's not my fault, okay? Uh, But it is the seventh sermon and we are, this is the end, okay? Next week is Pentecost. And so uh, just as just as Jesus told, as he ascended, which we celebrated on uh, Thursday, it was either Thursday or Friday, I think it was Thursday, uh, as Jesus ascended 40 days after Easter, uh, then 10 days later, the Spirit came. And that's, that's where we celebrate Pentecost, okay? So, so Pentecost is coming, and just as he told them, wait for the promise of the Father, we too are waiting this week. For the promise of the Father. And next week we're going to celebrate uh, the birth of the church, which begins at Pentecost. All right? So I just want you to be aware we are ending this series and we'll be beginning another uh, series of, of messages soon. I don't, I'm still in the discernment process whether we're, we're headed to somebody like Jonah, which I really want to get to. I've never, uh, I don't think I've ever preached through Jonah, so that would be interesting, but we'll see where that leads. You know, our lectionary readings have carried us through the book of Revelation. And it was really quite a surprise to me that, that, uh, that I ended up preaching <laughs> through Revelation. I didn't necessarily end up uh, beginning that way, but it, but it turned out to be just that. And, and I have personally been affected by the messages within this book. Uh, not only have I preached some of those sermons, and, and of course Justin preached one but I have been impacted by them, and I hope that you have too. This is, that's what the Bible is meant to do, is to impact our life. It's not meant just to be cerebral, but it's meant to be worked out into our hands. And so may, may this be true today, Lord, as we read from your holy word. Notice these words here, Revelation 22, and we'll begin in verse 6. You've already heard some of this in our readings earlier. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, 
has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Now, if you remember, Daniel had been told to seal up the prophecy. You remember that? Daniel, after his visions, he was told, Now seal up this book until the end. Well, this is the end. John is said, no, 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 don't seal it up. For the time is near. Let the evil doer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense, wage, payment, with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. By the way, that's the first time that all those three are mentioned together. You know, they've been sporadic, a couple of them. One was only said of God, now it's said of the Son. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers, magicians, and the sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. (laughs) Uh, The bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life Without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. By the way, that's you. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Now he who testifies to these things says, Surely... I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. (laughs) This is the end. Uh, This is the end of the greatest book of books. And one of the things that happens here in this section between 6 and 21 is it's really... Sort of a, a final ending to the ending, really. And, and, and it seems almost sporadic. It's almost like he's jumping around a bit until one recognizes that he's actually returning to chapter 1. 
Everything here, if we had time to do it and we don't, could be paralleled to chapter 1. In other words, just as he saw Jesus in chapter 1, and just as he saw the angel, and just as he began to see these visions, now everything is being confirmed that this is in fact what he saw. It's almost as if, if it's, it's what we call in, in literature, it's an inclusio. So he begins with something, just like our hymns do sometimes, and then you have a, a storyline that's played out, and then he ends with the same place that he began. But one is to see it in a completely different light now. And this is exactly what's happening here. And so really what we have is the testimony of God, of the Lamb, of the angels, of the prophets, and of John himself. In other words, just as I testified to you that these words in this book have impacted my life over the past seven weeks, so too John tells us plainly, I, John, saw this. I heard this. It was me. And I wonder if that's not also a challenge to each of us. I wonder if you could insert your name just right now in your head to say, I, I, Marshall, I saw it. I heard it. Because here's the deal. Revelation was given to us so that we might be saved. Then we turn and help others. It's never just this thing of the Bible is given to us so that we can be saved and then go hide it under a bushel. Ooh, I'm getting to go to heaven. See you later, guys. Have a nice roast. No. No, no. Instead, it is meant for us and then others. Kind of like when you're on a plane, right? They always remind you at the, at the beginning, you know, before you take off, they say, hey, if we get in a situation, these oxygen masks are going to drop and they're going to provide breath for you, air for you, right? And they tell you, if you have a little kid or if you have somebody beside you that is incapacitated or whatever, not able to do it, you got to first get your mask on, right? In other words, you got to be saved. <laughs> uh, because if you start going fumble around with all your kids, and I've got five, so it's going to take me a little while, I'm going to be dead by the fifth one. And I don't want to miss her. You see, I want her to make sure she makes it out all right. So I've got to first take care of, of Marshall. Marshall's got to be saved before I can ever help someone else. And this is really the call here at the end of the Bible is for us to be saved. We must be saved. But then we also are to be that light, that testimony. If you will, in the Greek, that witness. And in the Greek, witness is the same as martyr. Oftentimes we only think of martyr as one who has been killed for the faith. But in the Greek it makes no distinction of that. Witness is a martyr. That means all who witness to Jesus Christ. In other words, John, who says, I saw, I heard, I know him, I know his salvation, he's a martyr. You see, whether you are called to die physically or not, as a witness of Jesus Christ, you are called to die to yourself. You know, it seems to me, in my opinion, that it's not so much an option of me serving God or Satan. 
but rather me serving God or me. You see, we always pit it as if, oh, well, I mean, I don't worship Satan. (laughs) But if you worship yourself, if you rely on yourself, if you trust in yourself, this is not the way of God. Self must be crucified. For I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And we just heard in our lectionary readings from John 17, I in you. Father, I pray that they would be in us. That is what being saved is. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then you're already in the grip of Satan. If you live a false life, you're already in the grip of Satan. You're playing on his field. His chains are already around you, whether you realize it or not. And, I, and, my, and my prayer today has been that, Jessica and I prayed this last night, is that some may be awakened to their sin, roused from their slumber. C.S. Lewis in one of his books mentions that pain has a way of rousing us from our sleep and helping us to long for what we should long for, and that is, come, Lord Jesus. You know, I, 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 I like to try to be diverse because what I've found is when you, when, you, when you have a lot of diversity in your life, you actually know more than if you're just always talk to people who agree with you, right? So I actually enjoy talking to people who, who have a different opinion. Not all the time, but, but, uh, but, but I do like those people in my life. That's why I have friends that theologically we disagree, uh, and yet we're still friends, right? Um, even, even politically people disagree, and I like those people in my life. Here, we need a singleness to our life. And that is Jesus Christ. The diversity of the Spirit in all of us is a beautiful thing that He unites in us. It is not something that that we do as a church like it's our administrative duty. It is you who must follow the Spirit of God. And one of the things I've noticed with older people is they tell me, the older I get, the more I want to be in heaven with God. Now, I noticed when I was young, I, I, I was scared about going to heaven, right? I was like, Lord, I, I want to experience, I want to get a job, I want to have a wife, I want to do all this. But I, too, now that I'm midlife, I mean, I guess, you know, technically I am midlife according to the statistics. I, too, am feeling great longings to be with the Lord. And maybe it's because my faith has matured more. But also, as I said, pain has a nice way of reminding us that this world is not our final home. And that's why I think in our small groups we need this diversity. You know, sometimes we can specialize too much in, 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 in people who are alike. You know, it's like having a 20-something zero. I, I think we need kids in the room sometimes. That's why we have children that worship with us. You know, I, I loved hearing one of our little ones after one of the songs say, Yeah! When she was excited. I, I, wish, I wish I could do that sometimes. I wish you would do that sometimes, you know? 
Because sometimes it's, it's, it takes a little while to crank up our body to what we believe in our soul, doesn't it? I mean, some of us come in and we're just kind of drumming through the words and, and we don't look like what we're singing. Does that make sense? Joy, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let her receive her king. You know, it's like, hey, uh, I think there's a mismatch there, you know? And we need each other, don't we? And that's why God has called a diverse group of people into the same room. We don't have the same jobs. We don't have the same gifts. And just like a building, he's building us together. And I think it's a neat thing to see. And I know that this is why he has called this church into existence. And so as we celebrate uh, with, our, with our birthday, as we, as we kind of call it, I want you to think about that. Like, what is your place in, in this body? And, and many of you are finding your place. And I love to see that. And some of you are bouncing around from this, and that's fine too, because that's the only way sometimes you can discover, really, your gifts. The bride here is the church. That's the point. The spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. There's a lot of things happening today. There's a lot of things probably going to happen. I mean, if I looked at your schedule, there's a lot of things going to happen this week in your life. But what we're doing as brothers and sisters in the faith is we're coming in here and we're saying, you know what? Be encouraged. No matter if you've got great stuff happening in your life right now, no matter if you are troubled right now, be encouraged, brother. Be encouraged, sister. It's not much longer. And he'll be returning. And he's going to make all things right. You see how when we buddy up to the world, when we get too comfortable in this world, we miss this call of Maranatha, which in Aramaic is, come Lord Jesus. We miss it, and we don't long for it, and we find in ourselves we, we find a deadness toward His coming. Maybe we, we lose hope and sight that one day He's not joking when He says He's going to make it all right, and He's going to pay who needs to be paid what they need to be paid. And so we are called as the church to be the testimony. A diverse testimony. Thank God you don't have to act like me. Be like me. Except that I follow Jesus Christ with all my heart. I'm willing to repent of my sins. I'm willing to confess to you when I've done wrong. Follow that. Don't follow what anemic person Marshall is by himself. Because I'll tell you this, I am nothing without knowing Jesus Christ. Jessica and I went to the New Room Conference last September. And it was there that I had a buddy from Africa that prayed over me after, after this late... I, I kind of told you about this, so I don't want to rehearse the whole thing, but, but a lady prayed over me in a prophetic way, and then my buddy came over, and, and essentially, I didn't even know I was having sort of an identity crisis at the time, <laughs> but I was having an identity crisis about who is Marshall. Like, why, why, do, I, why do you exist, dude, I mean, you're not that good at a lot of things, you know? You can do a lot of things, but you're not good at any of them. So, so what are you really doing? Like, what's your place in this, in this whole thing? Like, who are you and what are you supposed to be doing? 
You see, things are not always clear to me either because guess what? We don't walk by sight, but by what? Faith. Which means I have to check in with God often to say, Lord, I thought we were all headed in this direction. Somehow I've left you behind and I'm out here in the ditch. What happened? He says, well, get back on the right road, sir. Start following me. And as we get older, we must be re-identified in Jesus Christ. What does it mean for the 56-year-old self that you are now? Or the 16-year-old self? Or the 12-year-old self? Or the 23-year-old self? Or the 38-year-old self that should be in Jesus Christ? That's going to look differently. It really does. Jessica and I just celebrated 15 years, you know that, and, and we celebrated that uh, Wednesday, and we were talking like, man, it's crazy when we met. We, like, I wouldn't necessarily like my 23-year-old self, you know what I mean? As my 30, I, I would get on my nerves, you know? I'd be like, that dude's a, a jerk, really, you know? I mean, if you ever do think I'm a jerk, just think how, how less jerkish I am now that the Lord has done his sanctifying work in me. You know what I mean? I just, like if you ever actually think that I am a jerk, which I'm sure happens, uh, and I don't necessarily always mean to be, you know, but it, it happens and it's like, but I, I was way worse then. And, and as it, Jessica and I kind of look back on our life, it's like, man, but you know what? It doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. It doesn't matter what my neighbor's doing, my, even my spouse. It matters that I, just like he says here, I, John, I, Marshall, am following Jesus Christ. And I just, again, w- would you insert your name there? Are you following Jesus Christ? Can you say, I am following Jesus Christ with everything? I mean, with your actions. I mean, with your attitudes. Sometimes we reserve those for ourselves, you know? It's like, well, I just have a bad attitude on, on that one issue. So just don't push my buttons there, okay? Have you given that to Jesus? Is he, is he Lord of your mind? You know, again, that's, that's a place that we kind of reserve for ourselves, which, which I've often thanked the Lord that we can. But... We don't reserve it from Him. If He's Lord, then He's Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all. Jesus' Lord was the first confession of the church, and it is the last confession of the church. Did you notice? Did you, did you see that? Now, 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 if you've been really studying the book, you'll catch this at the very end here. He says, Amen, come Lord Jesus, and in the grace of the Lord Jesus be Lord Jesus, that's the only two places in the entire book that's used. And it's at the end, back to back. Lord Jesus. It's the first confession of the early church. It will be the last confession of the church. We know that because it's right here. This is the end. It must be, friend, your personal confession. Jesus is Lord of my mind. And when he's not, I must repent. I must confess my sins, for he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But, notice this, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Is he Lord of your will? Is he Lord of your personality? You know, we all have different personalities. Some personalities don't get along real well. Have you noticed that? I love when the Bible says things like, uh, I don't think it was in here, but... No, no, it wasn't. It was, a, it was another quote I've got here. Uh, this is from Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone. Notice it doesn't just say, have peace with everybody. It's strive for peace with everyone. Because quite frankly, that's what we must do. And a lot of times, unfortunately... I hate this just as much as you do. It's not the other person's fault even. It's our own. It's us that's the problem. As I told you before, I won't name him again just just to not shame him. (laughs) But one of my kids always wants to blame everybody else. I say, son, it's you who responds. They cannot make you respond. No one can make you respond. You respond how you respond. That was the one thing Viktor Frankl, who was in the concentration camps of Nazi Germany, said that the Nazis could not take away from him is love and forgiveness. That is, you talk about forgiving people from atrocities. Basically living naked in a flea-ridden bed, working to death every day. He said the one thing that they couldn't, couldn't make us do is they could not make us hate them. Wow. That's, and they can't. People can do whatever they want to do, but you respond how you want to respond. That's why Marshall has to be crucified with Christ. Because anytime old Marshall comes about, bad things are coming. People are getting hurt. Things are going to get confused. The message won't be clear. Is he Lord of your past? Is he Lord of your present? Have you let him be Lord of your past? Like, we all have stuff back there. Has he forgiven you of that? Because if he's forgiven you of that, guess what? He's never going to hold it against you. He's never going to bring that up again. Unlike our spouses or unlike our even best friends. He's never going to say, well, you always. He's not going to say that. It's done. It's gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Thanks be to God. Is he, is he Lord of your present? Or have you already set your course and you're not deviating from that? Oh, I've got my bank account this way. I've got my retirement this way. I'm not moving. Friend, as Christians, you can't say that. Instead, we say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening as Samuel did. That's always our prayer. If he wants to pack us up and move us, we say, Yes, comma, Lord. Period. No excuses. No ifs, ands, and buts. Just, Yes, Lord. Is he Lord of your job, your vocation, your marriage, your family, your money, your resources, your investments, your skills, your time, your hobbies? In short, is he Lord of your heart?
not the, not the organ. The control center of whoever you are, of you, the I. When you say, I went to the store, it's the I. Is he Lord of that, of you, in your heart? The reason he wants to be is not to instill on us some long laundry list of things we need to do for him. He doesn't hand us a list and say, all right, now get to work and your life's going to be miserable. I'm going to take away all your hobbies. I'm going to take away all... We, We think that because it's a lie. We think that because it's a lie. And we're listening to the father of lies who is Satan. It's not the truth. He only has good for you. A greater good than you could even imagine or think. The scripture says here, he comes with a reward in his hand. Either of reward or punishment. Here's what the Bible says. Only, actually Jesus in in Matthew 5 is one of the Beatitudes. He says, only the pure in heart will see God. Now the invitation is for us to see him one day. Face to face. Let's just just be clear because all of you haven't been here for our series. Heaven is not the final goal. Do I need to repeat that? Heaven is not the final goal. Heaven is a place where people go now to be with God. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And yet, what our Bible says right here at the end is, John says, I saw it. It's a new heaven and a new earth and the old stuff has passed away which means the now heaven and the now earth. And it's going to be something new. Something far greater than anything that we could, again, imagine or think. One of the illustrations that we use around the house often for this sort of thing is uh, when when Jessica found out <clears throat> that we were pregnant with our fifth child, she cried a lot. <laughs> um, she actually called me at five something in the I think five like five fifteen in the morning. I was in India and she was crying and I thought somebody had died in my family, you know. And and finally she got it out that she was pregnant. I was like, well, what's new about that? You know, I mean, goodness, you know. Uh, How is that such a surprise, you know? But anyway, it was a surprise, and she didn't necessarily want to be pregnant. But you know what? She will say this, and so I'll say it for her. (laughs) That little fifth baby that we had has become a light for her. For just as Nana passed away, her Nana had just passed away, God gave her another lady in her life, a little lady who has lit up our world in, in so many ways that I can't even describe to you that, that break my heart. I mean, we went around the table yesterday at dinner and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, if you had to choose right now, what would you be, guys? And so they all went around, you know, different things. And she said, I want to be a princess. And my heart just, you know, ripped out. It's like... I don't even know what to do about that. So, 
I certainly need to watch more fairy tales. But you know, fairy tales point us to something. They point us to something where it says at the end of, you know, a fairy tale always, and they lived happily ever after. Does, I mean, even the hardest person, I think, wants to live happily ever after. And you know what? We don't have to believe in a fairy tale. For we have John saying, I saw it. I heard it. And I'm here to testify to it. We're going to live happily ever after with our Lord face to face with all the saints of God. And He's going to make all wrongs right. He's going to undo what all has been done wrong. But friend, without purity of heart, without holiness, for the last part of Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see God. The pure in heart, the holy, they will see God. Not if you are not. And let me tell you right now, from personal experience, the only way to be holy is through the Holy One. There's nothing holy in us. It's only through His Holy Spirit that we become holy. Holy Spirit, come. That's what we're praying for Pentecost, isn't it? I hope that's what you're praying for your own personal life. I pray for a personal Pentecost, not even next week, but today. You see, we can preempt Pentecost today. How about that? Because Pentecost already happened. We're just celebrating it next Sunday. The Holy Spirit has come. And He's come for you. And the time is short. We're told that here multiple times at the end. The time is near. There's no more time for this. And no more time for that. It's only time for singleness of eye. On the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to be heavenly minded. Because the eschaton is coming. Which is the eschaton is the last things. (laughs) and we are told to wait expectantly for him. Like a deer hunter waiting for that animal. They don't fall asleep like I do. That's why I quit hunting. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm waiting. Dad's like, that's not how you wait. He's he's all like, you know, very intently looking. I'm like, that's a little too much, man. I I do this recreationally, you know what I'm saying? Maybe it's a waiting That was like when I was waiting for Drew Brees to get his autograph. I wasn't messing around. I wasn't sitting down. I was pacing back and forth, waiting for him to come out that door so I could scream his name. Drew Brees! And I did it. And I got his autograph. Success. But you know what? There's one that we're waiting for far greater than Drew Brees. Far greater than any prized animal. Instead, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin and evil of the world. Wipes away every tear. Are you looking forward to that day? Because, friend, as as a Christian, we, we have to be taught how to look forward to that day. How to wait expectantly for that day. It doesn't come to us naturally. The enemy wants us to get very comfortable in this life. Very comfortable with our cars and our houses and our money and, our, and whatever else resources that we have. That, that, he, that he rocks us right on to sleep. And I'm here to tell you, just like John, 
I'm testifying to the fact that I've seen him and that I know him and I've heard him today because of this testimony. And it is true. It's the truest true in your life. And it is for you. For there was paradise. And then there was paradise lost. And now, in the end, paradise will be regained and made new. For God says, I am making all things new. Is he making you new? I pray he is. I pray a sanctifying power of the Spirit. His his end for you is Jesus Christ in you, formed in you, becoming in you, and that you are being saved. Active, you see. Not just, oh yeah, I did a prayer a long time ago. I hope that works. No, no, no. Have you met with the Lord Jesus today? Do you know Him today? Are you experiencing His peace today? Are you experiencing His freedom today? If not, friend, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to this table where the Lord Jesus Himself has prepared for us a meal that represents a meal that He is preparing for us at the end. Because anytime you do something big, you always have a meal. And He's got a big meal because this is a big event at the end. I want you, hear me, hear me, I want you to join me at that table. It starts with coming to this table. It ends at that table. I look forward to that day. I look forward to the fellowship of believers that we have now, even in the struggle, even as we're called the church militant because we're pressing on. One day we'll be church triumphant. Some of our brothers and sisters already joined the church triumphant. And praise be to God, they are the cloud of witnesses that we still remember today and walk in their steps, standing on their shoulders. Praise be to God, you be that for your children. You be that for the children of Harvest Point, for my grandchildren, for my great-great-grandchildren. Let us not see our salvation as for me only, but instead for the life of the world. That's why at Harvest Point, We're not just growing something for ourselves. We're growing something to share. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.